I started to look at this space a little bit more closely and, and it became apparent to me that there is a huge amount of people out there that are conducting customer research with little or no training or experience. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Robin Copernicus. And on today's show, we have an expert in technology design and research. So an extensive background in technology design and research. And our guest today, Josh Davey, he developed a tool that helps product teams do customer research in improved ways, even if they don't know what they're doing. So this will make it easy for them to actually do this customer research now. Josh Davey, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about where you are right now with your app, Qualia, and how you actually got to be here. Yeah, sure thing. So I think maybe to tell the story of where I am now, I'd probably have to rewind a little bit, a brief overview of my background. Um, as you said, design, technology, and research, I've, I've been in what has many labels, but is often called user experience or customer experience or human-centered design, a wealth of acronyms for around 10 years now. I think in the beginning, particularly in Australia, which is where I'm currently based, this was a very young field. It was a field that didn't have many, didn't have many teams in organizations or consultants selling into organizations. And of course, no training either. There was no education and there wasn't a course or a degree for it either. So that's where I began on this journey. And, and I think I started off in a visual design capacity but moved into a director role after a few years at a company called Neo, which was a design consultancy. So we really spend our time focusing on designing products and services for companies and very different types of projects. However, what was probably common across all of them was that they all started with some research, which was typically qualitative uh, interviews, but also other types of methods as well. And they informed the design and the design process. And then we would also, for some, th follow through to the end of delivery as well. So that could be anything from an app to a website. It could be a service flow. It could be how you get a, it could be how you get a passport in Australia. Kind of anything that has a, a customer or human-facing touchpoint in any process or product. So over the last 10 years, that has evolved quite rapidly. Um, you know, about five years into it, programs like Academy XI and General Assembly started delivering some of that capability to people. And also companies started to, to treat design a little bit more seriously, bringing on a chief um, experience design officer into the C-suite and also building out user experience design teams. And through that period, we were consulting and working on a lot of different types of projects. About five years into it, we decided that there was a, a real need or a desire for companies to build internal capability. So we also and then co-founded a, a company called Train, which effectively took what we did at Neo and then taught that, taught that to various organizations. And that went well. I worked with a number of companies and, and I think maybe in the last couple of years, something that had always been on the back of my mind is that the model of consulting has this ceiling, which is that you're selling your time and your time can never scale beyond your time unless you, know, you plan for these companies to scale. And my partners at the time weren't interested in that, which is why I started to look elsewhere and, and branch out. And so something that I noticed when thinking about what I could do next was that companies that we work with often could put, there were a lot of companies that we were turning away because they simply couldn't afford us. And a lot of the teams that we were training were asking us, hey, can you get a product owner or a business analyst or someone else in a product team to join this customer research training because they're doing the bulk of it. 
And I started to look at this space a little bit more closely and, and it became apparent to me that there is a huge amount of people out there that are conducting customer research with little or no training or experience. And that, that group is somewhat neglected in, in a way. And, and so I started to, to think about it more closely and, and, and then I created Qualia. And Qualia is a tool that, that I came up with because I noticed that there were a number of research tools and a lot of research software on the market. But all of that software is, the majority of that software is targeting other researchers. And then there is a small group of that software that is targeting product teams, but it's mainly survey-driven survey driven type software, which I believe misses quite a large block of what is, in, what is involved in research. And, and so now with Qualia, I think I'm on, on a journey to take the parts of my old company that can be productized or, or turned into a product and, and going ahead and doing that. And so what you'll find when you look at research is that a lot of it is, a lot of it is admin work and a lot of it is repeatable and low skill. And then there are some parts that do require skill, but 80% of it isn't. 80% of it is process, process-driven work that today is largely ad hoc and fragmented in a way. So anyway, that's just a brief overview of how I got to to where I currently am at and um, where my mind how, is at today. How long have you been working on Qualia? Uh, it's been about three months now. Yeah, maybe three and a half months. Okay, and then wh- where are you at with the process? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I think starting a new company, I, I reached out to my network and spoke to a lot of people who are in the space. And there's so many ways you can approach uh, a problem like this. I decided to explore all of them just to see what drops, and that included reaching out to networks for angel investment, speaking to venture capital firms straight away, um, trying to find a technical co-founder, and then also looking at some of the no-code, kind of uh, low-code applications that are available at the moment, and push uh, somewhat pushed all those concurrently, really. And then also looking at accelerator programs that are available as well and what they offer. Okay, so in, in terms of getting this app out to the market, you mentioned that there are already some solutions out there that may not be doing it exactly the right way. So what are some of the mistakes that young product teams might be making and how is Qualia aiming to solve that? Yeah, sure. So I think this is really what I learned by doing, by running training running training and capability company with product teams. If you think about if you think about research, there's a cycle that research follows that is pretty much the same no matter where you, no matter where you are. And that would follow around six six steps: setting up the research, so understanding what are your objectives, what do you want to achieve, and how exactly you're going to go about doing that. Going through and recruiting or sourcing where is this data going to come from. We're going to speak to a certain cohort of people or customers or a certain segment. And how are we going to actually get them involved in research? So incentives and what what do they get for giving us some of their time? Third step would be conducting the research itself. And that could be one-on-one interviews like this. Or it could be a focus group or it could be intercepting people on the street. There's a myriad of different strategies that are used to conduct research. Collecting that research and pulling it all into one place, really fragmented today. Some people use spreadsheets, some people keep it physical, 
sometimes you see in companies they'll have a huge wall just covered in post-it notes but <laughs> pulling all that data together synthesizing which is then the activity of okay now you've got all the data in front of you what's important and why is it important and so drawing a map between different pieces of data and data points and trying to make sure that you don't miss anything that's that's important and then the last step really I mean, for a lot of companies is a report or some sort of a packaged up document that sums up all of the findings uh, and that might be that you have insights and below them you have data points that back up those insights and when I say insight what was seen and why is that happening so for example it might be most customers um, couldn't find the product because it's hidden behind the wall or it wasn't visible or something. that tends to be the last stage and I think really product teams that aren't trained in these stages first and foremost have to come up with a process to go through that and that in itself takes a lot of time and what I've noticed is that product teams it isn't their core focus um, their core focus is building products the research component of that typically is customer interviews or surveys but they're done in an ad hoc way so we now need to speak to very different to what we had at Neo which was effectively an agency that solved that process and and so what I see in the market is um, that there are the teams have difficulty executing it in some way at every stage of that process and so that might be in the beginning uh, establishing the wrong success metrics or objectives through to recruitment where they may speak to the wrong people and that could be that speaking to a too narrow a group or too broad a group or miscategorizing those groups to conducting the sessions obviously there's a wealth of things that can change in there for example leading language and your own bias as well if you think about founders specifically i know a lot of founders that i've done research with want their product to succeed so much that they put the answer in their questions robin what is it that you love about qualia uh, i've put the word love in there so if you answer you've affirmed that you love it and i'll take that away and say all the participants love the product <laughs> yes. without, without recognizing that I told them that. Through to um, collecting the data and synthesizing the data, really just moving to admin here. And this can take, often this can take 60% of the project. If you don't have a streamlined process and you don't have the right tools, and the tools out there are really fragmented, it can be a nightmare if you multiply every session you have by an hour recording of words and then trying to maybe conduct 20 or 30 sessions. Trying to wrangle that data, really time-consuming process, moving between manual and digital formats, through to reporting where a lot of the a lot of the insights don't aren't used beyond a project level. So something the findings of a project will get wrapped up into a document, and too often that document will be stored on a server somewhere. And the next time someone works on a similar problem, that data isn't adequately flowing into the next project. Or, in the case that I've had in the past, um, you've got multiple projects on the same problem and you're all um, researching the same thing and there's no synergy between the different groups, which is also another huge problem. Now, in, the terms research, of, oh yeah, in terms of your dream customers, who are your dream customers and what is your go-to market strategy? Yeah, sure. Dream customer is product teams in in the beginning, uh, mid to size, um, small to mid-sized companies of around 50 to 200 staff. I think of the product teams, specifically I'm looking at product owners at the moment, and also, as a slide note, researchers that are in teams as well. And the reason for that is, from what I've learned from speaking to early customers, product owners 
are interested in the ability to manage the data of customer interviews, including some way to automate recruitment or take care of the admin part for them, because obviously product owners never have any time with everyone pulling on their arms. <laughs> and then, How are you actually reaching out to these, these companies, these product teams, these researchers? Yeah, sure. So I've built a fairly extensive network myself over the last 10 years. So in the beginning, I've, I'm really leaning on that network, although I do know that it's not exactly sustainable to do that. I, my, my current plan to get to market is uh, I'm jumping over how I've started before and looking at different avenues. I found the no-code way seems to be the best way for me right now. Um, which is building a very basic version of this app myself and then marketing that to my network specifically and around 20, 40 people that I know in those roles and then get them to speak about it, get them to advocate for it and then look for it to naturally grow beyond that. Yes, so that's exactly how founders should be launching, right? You start with this core customer list, and if you're lucky to already have a a network that could help seed that customer list, then you start with that customer list first, you start getting some testimonials, and then it's just much easier to start ramping out after that. What a lot of founders do find, however, is that once they've exhausted their immediate network, then marketing outside of that network is a totally different exercise because the challenge is you've already built your no likability and trust with people in your network and now you're having to do that with people outside your network so it's like an entirely different marketing game where do you see quality in one year's time yeah yeah just on the first part of that as well i do see another opportunity for almost a degree of automated distribution and and i think there's an opportunity here to build in research we call them customer panels which is as someone in a company, when you need to work out whether a product or service is the right, the right one or if it's executed well, you need to go and find people to speak with and find the right kinds of customers. I think there is an opportunity here to build this into a two-sided market between companies and potential participants and manage the admin that sits in between. In a way, every time a company is conducting research with a participant, the participant is then learning about Qualia and vice versa. So there's a an automated sales engine or, or distribution engine in, in there. And so I think that will make up part of the growth outside of other methods. A year from now, I think for the first six months, I want to find out what product market fit is exactly. There's a lot of things I can do. And so it's finding what exactly has the most value in the beginning for these people and then to start growing, really start growing from there. I think if you asked me that same question two weeks ago, I would have had a very different answer. And that's because I was still looking at raising capital at that point, um, which I'm not doing. Anymore. Totally okay, because you're three months in right now, you are yeah. going to pivot. This is inevitable. It's going to happen because if you're not pivoting, you're not growing, you're not adapting to the market. So you're looking at what the current market landscape looks like. And if there's a better opportunity, you're going to pivot and go towards that opportunity. Yeah. So that's totally okay to change your mind and to do things a different way. I think one of the things that members in our accelerator program, for example, is what they will do is instead of 
actually doing user interviews. So earlier you mentioned that when you're doing these user surveys, user interviews, there's all these chances where you can introduce your own bias and you might not be getting the right kind of answer. So I, I've actually found the same thing where when you're in these traditional accelerator programs like Y Combinator or Techstars, they will have you do these user surveys and user interviews. But the other person that's actually taking the survey or taking the user interview, there's a few problems. One, most people, they'll just answer the, the user interview saying, yeah, that's great. Like you want to offer them something, they'll say, hey, go ahead and build it. The yeah. second problem is a lot of people that are actually taking these user interviews, they don't really understand the vision and they're unable to really truly understand what they're checking off on, whether their yeah. answer is a yes or a no or, or go build it. So one of the things that we actually do is we have them pay for whatever kind of product development or feature that we have because i'm reminded of a story where microsoft excel when they were first doing customer research what ended up happening is they offered a feature where they said hey do you guys want more colors so right now microsoft they only offered 64 colors for people to be able to highlight their cells and during their product research product surveys they went out and they learned that people want more colors so they're like okay people want millions of colors let's go build millions of colors and they used company resources to build this part of the tool out and then once they launched it guess how many people were actually using it no one people were still just sticking to the same eight colors that they were using so in terms of this kind of disconnect in, in, in terms of making sure that you're actually setting up the fundamentals correctly, how does Qualia help you do that? Yeah, exactly. And I think you've touched on really a, a core value proposition of Qualia, which is helping you set, set up the process right and then also preparing you for the research before you do it. And I think to your question there on, on the colors, a core principle of research is that you should never go in asking people what their thoughts are. Ultimately, you should really be trying to set up situations or scenarios that demonstrate people's behavior. And, and if someone chooses to buy something, they've done it. It's objective. It's real. It's not an opinion. It's an action that's happened. And, and this is really part of, really core to what, to, to what Neo's proposition was as well. So a bias towards behavior when conducting research. And then also, in addition to that, there's another point, but I'll come back to it. Oh yeah, there are other strategies that you can use. You may not be aware of this now if you haven't conducted much research or you haven't been trained, but there are some techniques such as asking the same question in four different ways or not asking a question about your product specifically, but asking them what they've done as a proxy with something else that's similar and looking for objective truth. So to someone you might say, do you bank often or how many apps do you bank with? And they might say five or six because that's how many apps they have on their phone. But if you say, when was the last transactions that you made? They might only have one or two real transactions. So you can start with objective behavior and move backwards from there. And so the point, the reason I wanted to go into those in a little bit of detail is because I think we can build capability building into the platform. And at, the, at each stage of that cycle that I was telling you about, create rails, almost like if you're at a bowling alley and the rails come up and, and, and they help you bowl better. I think we can build rails into the app that guide product teams through making these decisions, what good objectives look like and what a good sample looks like. And then if the platform gets more sophisticated, you've got transcripts that you can look at and you can run machine learning over the transcripts and call out call out questions that had bias in them. 
you could call out what data, what data maybe isn't as accurate as you thought it was. So as I said, there's a lot of potential in there, but I think in the beginning, there's this three core pillars to the product. One is data flow and data management, which is all of the customer data and how it moves from video calls or in-person sessions and into the product and how it's stored and tagged. The next piece is around capability, and that's about putting rails up in there to help people conduct research with confidence um, and be guided along the right, the right track. And then the third one is, is strategy. So actually there isn't necessarily a agreed standardized process for research, but there's only different pockets of thought leadership. So um, looking at taking the processes that I've built up in my life and um, actually building them into the product and not in a forced way, but having the option to have rails for strategy to help people set up research well and also to show people what to look for. Yeah, that research design is really important because just like what you said, you want to be able to extract the behavior because too many yeah. people, what you'll find is some people are with your relationship with the, with, or I'm sorry, their relationship with their product. They might be attitudinally aligned where they believe in your philosophy yeah. and they'll give you all this lip service saying, yeah, that's exactly what I want. But then their behaviors go back to what they're already used to doing. So they might not yeah. be behaviorally aligned with what you're doing. So setting up that research process at the very beginning is like really important. Josh, where can people find more about you if they want to connect with you? Where can people learn more about Qualia? Yeah, sure. So the website for Qualia is uh, qualia.app. So Q-U-A-L-I-A dot app. And um, I'm on LinkedIn under Joshua Davey. Maybe if you write Joshua Davey Qualia, you'll find me. I think there's a famous cricket player or something with the same name. But uh, yeah, I think that's the best place to find information on me and Qualia. At the moment, we've got a, a pretty pretty vague landing page up. <laughs> in the next few weeks, I think you'll see that change to something that's a little bit more in-depth and something that uh, you can actually um, sign up to. And when I open this up to, to the first group of users, you might get a chance to be the first to use it. Yes, it's going to be amazing to watch your journey. This sounds like you are able to create something where you're using your past expertise and you're going to help others other founders, other product teams, other startups actually shortcut their time so they're not having to spend the resources in something that, you know, they really don't have this core capacity and they can just outsource it and doing it in a very guided way. So really excited to see how this goes and hopefully we will bring you back in a future show to talk more about what challenges you face and how you've overcome that. Josh, thank you so much for joining and thank you guys, Copernicus Nation, for tuning in. We will see you in the next episode.